Good morning. We are so glad you are here on this, the third Sunday of Advent, the candle of joy. So I pray that God's joy would be at work in each one of you. Well, as you can see, we're on the ugly side of Christmas, hence my ugly sweater today, kind of a Santa suit sweater. Carla tells me if I keep eating cookies, my hair's getting whiter, all I need to do is grow a beard, and I'll be set. And she's not very nice when she says that. We're talking about how Christmas itself can become ugly. How does it become ugly when, when attitudes, behaviors, takes on a, a persona during this season that is that is less than pleasing to the Lord. That's how it becomes an ugly, ugly, ugly side of Christmas. Today our focus is going to be on rush less, dream more. The Christmas story told mostly by Matthew and Luke, they, all, all, they tell of impossible, uh, miraculous, strange events. Angels show up, sometimes a one and sometimes a whole bunch but angels come, and sometimes live, and sometimes in dreams. To the shepherds, you recall, Luke, Luke said that the, the, the angels came. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Apparently, those shepherds experienced something that no person ever before or since have ever experienced, and that is a sky lit up with angels, not just one, two that's usually how it is in the Bible. But on this occasion, it was hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe 10,000. I don't know how many angels is in a heavenly host, but a lot, a lot, a lot. And, and, and that has never happened before for any human being. But they showed up for these mangy shepherds. Never happened since. Then there's that crazy, miraculous story of, a, of the star that the, that the wise men followed. We all know that part of the story. Matthew says it this way, then the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, I'm not an astronomer nor the son of an astronomer. My astronomy uh, uh, know-how goes you know, back to ninth grade uh, Spanish, or Spanish class. <laughs> We, we talked about stars in Spanish class. No, ninth grade science class. Where, where, so it's a little fuzzy. But as far as I remember, stars don't move. Stars stay put. Stars are where they are and things go around. Like, you know, we go around the, the sun. Stars stay put. But, but here we're, we're told that a star... Something that appeared a star, it looked like a star. For all intents and purposes, it was a star. And that star traveled, and that star stopped, and that star, star was right over the place where Jesus was. Never happened before. Never happened since. Something like that happened today. It'd be all over the news. We don't know what's going on in the sky, but it's moving. You know, it's some uh, alien, you know, coming to get us. Happened before, never before, never since. So here we are on this third Sunday of Advent talking about Christmas, but talking really about the miraculous, the unexplainable, the joyous. Christmas began when the angel showed up at the door of a teenager and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she, Mary, was greatly troubled at that saying and tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and, and will bear a son and, he shall be, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him 
the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son. And, and is, this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The, the word, the verse that jumps out at me really on this day when we're talking about rushing less, dreaming more, is that 37th verse where the angel said, For nothing will be impossible with God. Again, we're talking about dreamers here. Dreamers understand that nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Dreamers, dreamers see the impossibility of the situation. They're not wishful thinkers. They're not uh, starry-eyed. They understand that sometimes situations are impossible, but they also know that they serve the God of the impossible. Let it be to me according to your word, is what Mary said. It's crazy. It's impossible. But let it be to me according to your word. Now, how does that look in your life? Those impossible situations. Maybe you have some going on. Impossible kids, impossible parents, impossible job, impossible relationships, impossible situation, impossible habits. What is in the impossibility in your life? Now think, just think for a minute. Rush less, dream more. Let's think. What would happen if God Almighty the God of the universe worked in that situation. Hold on to that for a minute. We know the miraculous happened in the Christmas story. Angels show up to mangy shepherds. A star moves to guide the magi. A barren old lady, Elizabeth, gives birth to a baby who'll become a great prophet, John the Baptist. And a virgin gives birth to, to, to what the angel described as the holy son of God, Jesus. All those events are impossible. Every one of them, impossible. And the angel's word rings out, for nothing is impossible. Nothing will be impossible with God. I believe that's a true statement, not just for stars and shepherds and angels and Mary and Elizabeth. I believe that statement is true for all of us. And the question is, do you believe it? Do you believe in God, the, the God works the impossible? Now I know we're in church. Of course, you're going to say, oh, yes, 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 I believe God can do the impossible. Of course he can. Yes, yes, yes. And you wouldn't say it out loud. But some might be under their breath thinking, yeah, but it doesn't doesn't work in the real world. Not for me. And you don't act like God works the impossible. And you don't pray, really, like God can do the impossible. And, and, and maybe you think either God can't or God won't or, or maybe because of something in my past, God has decided, forget you. Here's the problem. Here's the ugly side of Christmas problem. When, we're, when we get upset that the impossible is, and when we get mad at God for something that he should have, could have done. I think the problem is in our rush, we fail to see the impossible. In our rush, we're, we're too busy to stop and listen and pray, I mean really pray and dream of what God could do. Rush less, dream more. 
People in a rush, usually trying to fix the situation all on their own. That's what I've discovered. They don't, they don't, people in a rush, they, they don't rely on God. They're doing it themselves. Maybe I should have titled this sermon, Work Less, Dream More. Or, or maybe this is even better. Rely on yourself less, rely on God more. See, people who believe in the impossible, people who believe that God can work in an impossible, situ- an impossible situation is impossible. You can't fix it. I mean, that's just the definition, right? Impossible means you can't work hard enough. You can't do it on your own. You can't repair it on your own. It's impossible. But we serve a God who says nothing is impossible. See, I I think wrapped all up in this idea of rushing is the notion of work, work, work. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. You say, well, Pastor, it is the season. This is the season of rushing. I've got shopping to do and cookies to bake and cars to send out and more shopping to do and going to the mall and messing with traffic and there's stuff at church and there's all these things going on. And I ordered a bunch of stuff from Amazon and it hasn't come yet and I'm wondering if some porch pirate came and stole it and I've got this and this and this and this and this and this and this to do. Ah, I get it. I know, I know. We're all caught up in it. I have a friend. She's a dear, sweet lady and I've known her for years. And... She is always in a rush, not just at Christmas. She is always in a rush. Probably, you know, 60 years ago, she would have been diagnosed with ADHD or something. I don't know, because she, is, she, can, she starts a project and then she doesn't finish it and goes to the next and doesn't finish it and then doesn't, starts another one, doesn't finish it, goes back to the first, still doesn't finish it, goes three. And it's, it, it's crazy to see all this happen. She's rushing around, working hard. I mean, she works hard, but nothing is ever accomplished and I wonder if that's really how how we are at times what I'm talking about today is rushing less slowing down taking a deep breath waiting seeking anticipating a God-inspired only God action God-led dream God miracle God answer that would come does that does that make sense see if you catch a theme in in these passages that i'm about to read all from the book of matthew when when his mother mary had been betrothed to joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the holy spirit and her husband joseph being a just man unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream And skipping to Matthew 2. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And skipping down a few more verses in Matthew 2. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and they went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in the city of Nazareth. It looks like only thing Matt, or only thing Joseph is doing is sleeping and dreaming. You know, in a dream, in a dream, in a dream, take Mary as your wife. In a dream, take get get Mary and the baby to Egypt. In a dream, it's safe to go home to, to Israel. In a dream, whoa, 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 you better go to Nazareth. In a dream, in a dream, in a dream, in a dream. The other day I had a dream. I took a little cat nap on the on the couch, and, and I dreamt that Carla came down the hallway. Uh, uh, from where our bedroom is and she saw me sleeping on the couch and she gave me a cute little wave and she turned around and went back to the bedroom to read. 
And, and, and that was my dream. And I, later in the day, I, I realized, you know, I think I was dreaming that. And so I asked Carla, I said, Carla, when I was taking my little cat nap on the, on the couch, did you come down the hallway and see me sleeping on the couch and give me a little wave and turn back around and, and, and go back to our bedroom? And she said, no, you weirdo. Why, why do you even ask that? And, and don't, you know, don't junior Sigmund Freud's try to figure out that because I had a dream about sleeping on the couch and, and Carla coming down and giving me a cute little wave and going back to the bedroom that somehow I hate my mom and dad because of that. I, I, don't, know why, I don't know why I had that dream. It was weird. It's, I mean, she's right. That is weird. I was having a dream that I was sleeping and Carla came down the hallway, gave me a cute little wave and went back to the bedroom to read. That's just weird. I don't, what's my point? I don't know my point. What's my point is... I've never had a dream like Joseph's dreams. I've never had a dream where an angel comes to me and says, this is what the Lord wants you to do, and this is where you need to go, and be so clear and, and, and direct that it wasn't, you know, with bad pizza or a bad matzo ball or bad whatever Joseph ate the night before. It was just, it was the Lord, and he knew it. Never had that kind of dream. But I know this. If we rush less, dream more, if we trust more, maybe that's what I need. Rely on God more. Have faith more. Have more conviction that God is at work. Have more confidence that God can handle whatever that impossible situation is. Less worrying, less rushing, less thinking that we have to fix it, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe just being a little bit more like Mary and Joseph and all the events surrounding them, all those impossible events. See, dreamers see, see God at work in the impossible. And they have a common characteristic. Do you know what it is? It's a strong, sturdy, powerful, deep, yet humble faith. You see it in Mary. She receives this crazy news from the angel. And basically saying, I know everything you, you know about biology, everything you know about anatomy, everything you know about how the world works is not going to happen, Mary. You're going to have a baby. Not just any baby. We're, he's going to be great. The son of the most high. And he's going to sit on the throne of David. And his kingdom, Mary, will never, ever end. So it's understandable, Mary, to say, how in the world will this happen? And the angel concludes after giving some details for nothing, 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 Mary, will be impossible with God. And so Mary, full of faith, humble, deep, strong, sturdy, faithful Mary, says, behold, I'm the Lord's servant, let it be to me as you have said. Impossible. Dreamers believe in the possible. And, 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 and believers, I mean, I mean real deep down faith. Believers, not lip service. They have this strong faith that God can work. Let it be to me, as you have said. And all the stories of Jesus in the, in the Gospels. Do, do you know who Jesus, I think, his favorite was? You say, well, Pastor, Jesus doesn't play favorites. You're, you're probably right. But Jesus really liked this guy. In fact, what he said about him was this. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Who's he talking about? Was he talking about Peter, James, John? No, he wasn't talking about them. He wasn't talking about Mary and Martha. He wasn't talking about Lazarus, who he raised from the dead. No, he's talking about, get this, he's talking about a Roman. Not just any Roman, a, a Roman centurion. And this Roman centurion, Jesus, who, who, as far as we know from the Bible record, he never saw Jesus, never had a conversation with Jesus, never met Jesus. And yet Jesus says, this guy, 
This Roman, this enemy of ours, is the greatest faith of anybody I've ever seen. His story is told in Luke chapter 7. Let me read it real quick to you. When Jesus had finished saying all of this in hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant whom his master highly va- valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation, has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with him. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him and said, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. This is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But I say the word, for, but I say the word and my servant will be healed. For, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go, and he goes, and I tell this one to come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. That's when Jesus heard this. He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, I tell you, I've never found such faith even in Israel. Then the man who'd sent, who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Roman centurion, great, great faith, believed in the impossible. Jesus healed a servant. Roman centurion, just like Mary, understood, really, it wasn't about him. It was all about God's power and God's might. If the impossible is going to happen in your circumstance, I remember thinking of that impossible situation. If the impossible is going to be remedied, just by definition, it means it's not going to be remedied by your work, by your ingenuity, by your stick to by your rushing in, guns a-blazing, it's impossible. No, the only way it's going to be worked is if God Almighty steps in. Notice what happens in this story with the centurion. The reason he goes, why does he go to the centurion's house in the first place? It's because the, the leaders of that town, the poobahs of that town, come to Jesus, plead earnestly, the Bible says. They beg Jesus, you've got to go and help this guy. I know he's a Roman, and, and, and I know the Romans are our enemies, but this guy, he's a really good guy. I mean, he loves us. He loves our nation. Guess what? He even built us a synagogue. He built us a place of worship. A Roman built us a place of worship. You got to go. And so Jesus decides, you know, he, he starts heading there. But when the centurion realizes that he's interrupted Jesus' busy schedule, he sends some friends back to Jesus and say, whoa, 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 Jesus, hold on a minute. Don't trouble yourself coming to our house. I don't deserve you to come under my roof. So I'm a, I'm a centurion. This is what happens. When I say, when I snap my fingers, people jump. When, I, when, I, when I, I tell them to jump, they say how high. That's how it is. And Jesus, you're far greater than that. You say the word of my servant, he'll be well. Uh, this guy, again, remember, as far as we know, all the Bible says is he heard about Jesus, never met Jesus, never had a conversation with Jesus, maybe never really saw Jesus. But as he's sending off his messengers to Jesus, and they don't, they don't rattle off his accomplishments. They don't say, listen, other Roman centurions in other towns, they lorded over people. They're mean to their people. They beat people. They imprison people. They're awful. But this guy, he's a great guy. And his servant, the one that's dying, he's a great guy too. And so Jesus, you know, he scratched our back, so maybe you can scratch his back because, because he's a great guy. But that's, that's not what happened in here. This centurion doesn't list any of his accomplishments. Instead, he says, you know what? This is all about God. I I don't even deserve you to come under my roof. It's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. But my servant is really sick. And he could really use your help. Humble, strong faith. Just like Mary. Humble, strong faith. Let it be to me, as you have said. 
Just like Joseph, humble, strong faith, has a dream. You got to go. All right, I'm following. Dreamers, believers in the impossible, they display that humble, strong faith. They expect God to defy the odds. That's, it just kind of goes without saying. They expect God to break the records. They expect God to do what everyone says can't be done. Why? Because they're saying it can't be done because it's impossible. But I serve a God that does the impossible. Make sure you know, this isn't wishful thinking what we're talking about today. This isn't, this isn't uh, you know, I'm wearing this ugly Christmas sweater, Santa sweater. What I'm talking about is not making a list, checking it twice, sending it off to the North Pole, or sending it off to heaven. Dear Santa, I really need a new blah, 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 blah. And if you do this, dear Jesus, I really need a new blah, 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 blah. And if you'll do this, Santa, I'll leave you, you know, a, a plate of nice cookies, big guy. And if you do this, Jesus, I'll toss in an extra 20 in the plate, I promise. That's not what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about having a faith, a deep faith in a God of the impossible. That, that, that he's worked miracles before. Why can't he work them now? He can. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a deep, humble faith that the Roman centurion displayed. It's a deep, humble faith that Mary and Joseph displayed. And the question is, do you have it? At the end of the 27th Psalm, David is writing, and he says something really profound. That I, that I think will help us. It really summarizes what I'm trying to say. He says this, I remain confident at this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait, wait, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And he says it again, just in case you forgot. Wait, wait, Wait for the Lord. David is saying, God is up to something. And even when I don't see it, God is up to something. And if God is up to something, then it's going to be good because God only does good things. And so, so I just have to wait and I have to trust and I have to believe and I have to have faith and I have to seek him and I have to wait. Impatience is so easy to get. Rush less, dream more. Rush less, act Act less like it depends all on me. Act more like it depends all on God because it does. God of the impossible. The God who had angels show up and declare God's glory to mangy shepherds. The God who, who had a star move through the sky. The God who had a barren old lady give birth to a son that would become a great prophet. The God who, who overshadowed a virgin and she gave birth not to just any son, but to the king of kings and lord of lords. Guess what? That same God is still on the throne. And in your impossible situation, you can rush, 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 work, 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 work. You can do all that stuff. Guess what? It's not going to make it. We need God to be at work in those impossible situations. I heard a story. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. I think it may be true. It's about a boy named Frank. And Frank, uh, Frank's dad promised to take him uh, fishing on a particular Saturday, a couple Saturdays ahead. And Frank was anticipating going fishing with his dad. It was going to be a big day, and he was really looking forward to it. Well, it hadn't rained for weeks. His dad said, you know, Frank, if everything is great, the weather's good, we're going to go fishing. The weather had been great. That whole two weeks, been great. You know how this is going to be. The, the, the weather forecast for Saturday morning said sunny all day long. Frank woke up Saturday morning, pouring cats and dogs. Stinking weatherman. Frank wasn't happy. It looked like it was going to be one of those all-day rains. And little Frank was not happy. 
he was not happy at all. And he was going from window to window. And he was saying things like, I think, I think the good Lord should have known that it could have rained yesterday, it could have rained Thursday, it could have rained Wednesday, it could have rained tomorrow, but why did it have to be today? And his dad told him what we've all told our kids. Well, you know, little Frank, farmers need their crops to grow and flowers need the water. And that's just, you know, can't control the weather. And that was not a good answer for Frank. And he was grumbling around all morning long. Well, that afternoon, it stopped raining. And there was enough time for little Frank and his dad to hurry and put some stuff in the gear in the car and take off for the lake. And so that's just what they did. And I don't know if it was because of the rain or just why, but the fish were biting. I mean, they were biting, biting, biting. And Frank, they caught their limit, like, in, in record time. And they, they came back with all these big fish, and they cleaned up the fish, and they were having a fish fry that night. Even, I mean, because they just were out there for a few hours, but they, they caught their limit. And so dad, the dad was wise. And the dad asked Frank to pray for the meal that night. And that's what I want you to hear. At the end of, of, of Frank's prayer, this is what he said. He said, and Lord... If I sound grumpier earlier today, it's because I couldn't see far enough ahead. And I think sometimes we act like a little eight-year-old who feels like he's missing out on a fishing trip. And we stumble around and we grumble around and we're all upset, you know, and it's just that we don't see far enough ahead. God is at work. Remember David's words, I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Wait, wait, wait on the Lord. Maybe you feel like you've been waiting forever. Maybe it seems like a long time and you've prayed and you're tired of praying and, and, and you don't see the answer. Wait, wait, wait. Why? Because I believe in the goodness of the Lord. I will see it come to be. Sometimes we get so impatient with God. But we serve a God of the impossible. A God that sends thousands of angels to shepherds. A God that moves a star across the sky. A God who, who, who well, enables a barren woman, old Elizabeth, to have a baby. Not any baby. John the Baptist and a virgin. The reason we're all here because the virgin gave birth to a son and they called his name Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. We serve the God of the impossible. Listen, I don't know your impossible situation. I can't sit down with you and in 15 minutes you call me up and say, Lord, uh, Pastor, this is the impossible situation that I'm dealing with. You know, give me three steps to, to take and, and I'll do it and then God can remedy. I, don't, I can't do that. This is what I can do. I can encourage you. Lord, you're the God of the impossible. You can work miracles. You've done it before. You can do it again. Lord, thank you for this season. Thank you for this Sunday of joy. We can be joyous because the King of kings and Lord of lords is our Savior and our friend. Thank you, Jesus. Give us a great week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.